lots and lots of spoilers. Welcome to Mike Bumpy Movies. <laughs> Quiet, you, I go first. You may have noticed there has been a bit of a change. You see, Max, well, he has gone to a better place. He has skimmed the starways of tomorrow and is now nearly beyond reach. Tonight, we're hoping we might try and open a door to the unknown to find Max in that undiscovered country. I honestly don't think we'll have much luck. He's gone forever and the show must change, but try we must. Let's all put our hands and or hooves on the table and chant. Max, can you hear us? Yeah, of course I can hear you. Max, can you see us? I, I can see you very clearly. I'm right here. Max! Max! <sighs> oh, well, no good. Nope, no Max. Gone forever. Pity. Well, <sighs> we'll just continue on without him. He would have wanted it that way. Oh, for God's sake. You two, okay, I have had it with both of you, both you and that equine imbecile. I am going to have you both stuffed and mounted, and I'm not saying which one of you is going to be stuffed inside the other. Ha! You're back! Well, I've never... Back. <sighs> yes, yes, you simply must tell us about yeah. the great beyond, but, uh, but not right now, it looks, because... It looks very much like my foot up your ass. <laughs> But right now, we have a show to do. Yes, yes show. we do. Uh, this week in the ultimate episode of our <laughs> series, Semi-Real People, the biopic story, we're looking at the 1953 version of Harry Houdini's life, Houdini, starring Bernie Schwartz and Jeanette Morrison. Or is it Tony Curtis and Janet Leigh? But <laughs> this show stars Magic Fingers Max Levine and me, Mage Monkey Mike. And we're going to get to this week's film right after we look at last week's poll question. I am in so much trouble. Uh, yeah, yes, yes, you are. <laughs> Remind us, Michael, what was last week's poll question? Uh, first, have some bumpy bucks! Okay, uh, <laughs> speaking of bumpy bucks, last week we asked, sometimes during a film series, a major character will be replaced with a different actor. In your opinion, when this has when has this worked really well and when it has really not worked very well? Such as me saying this line. <laughs> Here are the answers you gave us. And we had a, a few new ones this week. We had quite a lot of responses. Val, again, no relation, or, well all relation, said, <laughs> quote, wow, you've stumped me on this one. I'm not a big series watcher, though I will say I did like Val Kilmer as Batman and I didn't like Michael Keaton. So there's that. Sorry, wow. Max. End quote. I don't remember you saying you liked Michael Keaton, but I do remember you saying you didn't I, like I Val did. I, I preferred Michael Keaton. I, I, Again, I thought he was a strange choice, but I thought it kind of worked. No hard feelings, Val. It's just that you're wrong! <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to treat our listeners. Yep. Both of them. Uh, Wrong! Next... <laughs> yes. next, we have International Vince, who brings up one of the most famous recastings of them all. Quote, <laughs> I forgot how many actors replace others in roles. Darren on Bewitched might be the first I remember, but to be honest, I never really noticed that change. Uh, I'm going to yeah. interrupt here. A uh, Vince? Really? Uh, a best worst best might be the Spider-Man movies, but I'm not sure if that counts as they were maybe reboots. Nowadays, mm. some actors get replaced by computer-generated computer versions. It, it's confusing my international brain. End quote. Right <laughs> on! <laughs> he's, got, he's got a point. I'm not, I don't know if I would count like the Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, Tom Holland, Spider-Man, because <laughs> it's not... Although it's hard to say, I guess it's a series. Comic book movies are kind of weird that way. Yeah, it, it, it's really not. Is it that different from say when the artist, a different artist, takes over and suddenly Spider-Man's chin is a foot longer, or hmm. he has you know Kirby Jack Kirby spatula fingers or something? <laughs> or was that direct? No, that was Kirby. Uh, that yeah. was Kirby. Yeah, um, I like the fact that we almost have enough actors playing Spider-Man to form a baseball team. But there you go. Uh, pretty much. All right, next, no, Dave says, quote, hmm, can't think of many examples outside television if you exclude Bond as well, which we did. The did. first Jack Ryan I saw was Alec Baldwin, and I thought Harrison Ford was a terrible replacement. The new series of young Jack Ryan is pathetic, but not the actor's fault so much as the script, uh, end quote. He also points out examples like Sherlock Holmes and Poirot that some work and some don't. Mm. We, we have a new contributor this week, Brian, who doesn't listen to the podcast, but will still get the bumpy bucks. 
not very <laughs> useful, but there you go. Uh, Brian says, quote, I can't think of any specific ones, but I absolutely hate when this is done. I know sometimes it's very much needed, e.g. an actor dies or has other obligations, but for me, it's a, I'm a very visual person. I don't remember names, but I remember faces. When they mm. switch to a new actor, it is so, so, so hard for me not to just see them as a new character, end quote. Thanks, Brian. I yeah. can see that point. Yeah. Um, or, you know, in cases of some movies, it's a new actor and you just don't care. Um, yeah. And last but not least, we have Matt, who will get Bumpy Bucks and a Bumpy Hut catalog as soon as they exist. <laughs> Matt offers, quote, Ewan McGregor did a great job as Obi-Wan. Even people that dislike the prequels don't have many negative things to say about him. Certainly Ian McDermott is better than a rubber mask. I think that's generally true in anything, but there you go. Mm. Leave or Live Schreiber made a better Sabretooth, even if the pro wrestler looked better in the costume. That is true. I see Batman as kind of like James Bond, in meaning that it's just... Yeah. Already, yeah. Soups, That's fair. Soups to a lesser extent. I don't think anyone has quite captured the earnestness that Reeve bought to the, to, to the role, which I agree with. Yeah, I think that's true. Sticking with supers, Ruffalo is a famously better banner than Norton, agreed. Don Cheadle does just fine as Rhodey after Howard, Howard was booted. Mm. I agree, but that was a weird one for me. I was just like, who's this guy? Uh, uh, huh? Okay, because they don't look anything alike, but there you go. No. Michael Gambon did a solid job as Dumbledore after Richard, after Richard Harris died. I prefer Richard Harris's Dumbledore, but he died. What are you going to do? Um, recasting Rachel Wise in the third Mummy movie was definitely a mistake. I'm neutral mm. on Julianne Moore in the last Hannibal movie with Hopkins. It's not a good movie, and she doesn't help, but I don't think she hurts it either. End quote. Whew! Well, double mm. bucks for all that. Thank you, Matt. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Thanks, Max? folks. Uh, do you have any uh, word it works or doesn't work? Or I had a couple, actually, but they were sort of already covered. I actually preferred John Cheadle to Terrence Howard as Rhodey. I, first of all, I just think Don Cheadle's a better actor. But it is jarring because they not only do they not look anything alike, I think Don Cheadle's like four inches shorter. Yeah, well, you know, it, that's because Terrence Howard held the cape up and figured nobody would notice. No, never mind. That's sort of a backwards-reversed yeah, yeah. uh, Ed Wood, but, you know. I actually prefer, I liked Michael Gambone better as Dumbledore than Richard Harris just because the trope of the feeble old wizard that Richard Harris was, of course, because he was actually at that point a feeble old English actor, <laughs> It's kind of I liked Gambone's energy and I liked the 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 sort of almost manic quality he sometimes had. I also thought he had a little bit more of the humor about Dumbledore that admittedly really doesn't come across in the movies at as nearly as much as it does in the books. See, I disagree just because um Richard Harris's Dumbledore was nice and Michael Gambon's wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> He's just kind of like I don't know. Like, Michael Gambon gives me the, the impression that you just... He's not the first party guest I would invite, let's put it that way. Very huh. smart, very capable, really good actor, but just there's this sort of this mean streak in his Dumbledore that I'm like, uh, I don't know. What that's yeah. uh, Everyone else seems to like him just fine. And again, it's not like you could do anything, like dig him up and... Pro what, are you doing like a ventriloquist, Dunny? I'm Dumbledore! <laughs> they uh, please, they did that with poor Carrie Fisher and poor Peter Cushing. Well... The Carrie Fisher, uh, they didn't. Actually, her family Yeah, they did in, in uh, um, Rogue One. Carrie Fisher wasn't in Rogue One. In the very last scene, when, in, uh, when she's given the magic hard drive with the Death Star plans, you know, it's like one of the last shots in the movie, you know, what's on it? You know, hope. A new uh, hope. It, <laughs> and uh, it may not have. Been, maybe it. Maybe they just CGI'd over her. I think maybe that's what they did because okay. I thought it was stipulated in her will that she was not going to be. They weren't going to get away with that. Peter Good Cushing. For her. Eh. Um, and quite honestly, he played a ghoul and a vampire and stuff so many times. His weird freakishness kind of works. <laughs> yeah, kind of did. How about you? Did you have any that uh, weren't brought up? Nah, not really. Uh, I mean, the Darren Darren thing I just thought was funny because there was absolutely no explanation, and quite honestly, Dick Sargent and Dick York don't look anything alike. And nope. I just really wish that at some point the characters, uh, you know, Sam or even Tabitha, or at some point just did, did, did a double take on that first episode. It's like, hey, what, huh? And then <laughs> Darren kept going, like, I I'm Darren. And they were like, okay. <laughs> But, of course, uh, that's because Dick Sargent had... Uh, I'm sorry, Dick York had back problems and he couldn't do the role anymore. So. Uh, but otherwise, no, I, it, things happened. Um, I, I can't... At least I can't think of an example. But 
to earn those bumpy bucks. And you know how to do it. You answer our poll question, you and you give us your answers in ways that we will explain later in the show. But we have a mm-hmm. new one this week. Yes, this week, tell us. The poll question is, has a movie adapted from another source, be it a book, a video game, a theme park ride, or a breakfast cereal, ever exceeded your expectations? If so, what movie has done so? Please let us know in the usual manner. Well, of course, I, I was a little disappointed in Count Chocula, the movie, but... Well, especially because it, it was a porn, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know that when I rented it, really. Uh, right, so we should get on to this week's movie's trivia. And for those who have already forgotten, this week's movie is Houdini. The show. Budget. No idea. Checked sources, couldn't find out. The take was $1.8 million, which sounds <laughs> good. 1953? Um, that's not terrible. Yeah, and George Powell wasn't generally given a lot of money. Speaking of which, George Powell was the producer. He brought us other films like War of the Worlds, The Time Machine, When Worlds Collide, The Seven Faces of Dr. Lau, and more! <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tony Curtis performed all of the magical tricks seen in this movie himself. Hooray! Ooh, such magic. And that's Tony, right, he was an amateur magician, wasn't he? Uh, key uh, amateur. Yes, that's the key word, amateur. A fun linguistical fact. Yes, I know that's not a real word. <laughs> Houdini's real last name was Weiss or Weiss, or I don't know the Hungarian pronunciation, but they changed it to the German one anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, that is the German word for white. He's played by Tony Curtis, whose real last name was Schwartz or Schwarz if you're German, which is the German word for black. Spooky. Spooky. I don't know what that yeah, means. Yeah, basically both Harry Houdini and Tony Curtis were... Jews who changed their names to uh, sound a lot more, a lot less Jewish. Yeah. Uh, Janet Leigh was a bigger star at the time this was made, but because she was married to Tony Curtis and was rather traditional, insisted that her husband's name appear first, which was very nice of her. Boy, did they have kids? Their kids would have been gorgeous. Yeah, you know? Hmm. Oh, well, I guess we'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry J.D. <Jamie laughs> Lee. Uh, <laughs> this is not the last time Tony Curtis would hang from something while trying to escape a straitjacket. Uh, he reprised yes. this little stunt in 1965's The Great Race. Please see our previous episode of the same name. Tony Curtis, generally cast in acting roles, was hoping this film might change his career's fate. Quoting him... My secret hope, however, was that Houdini was going to propel me into a whole new kind of filmmaking where I would be recognized as the serious actor I had always wanted to be. When that didn't happen, I was terribly disappointed. End quote. Yeah. The serious actor that Tony Curtis wanted to be. Well, uh, otherwise, (laughs) there really wasn't much to find out about this movie, unless, Max, do you know any, any trivia? There, not really. There's not a lot of, uh, about it. Yeah. I mean, about the making of the movie. Although I do, it's always nice to see the, who did the costumes. Edith Head. Oh, good old Edith. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So the plot, for those who don't know about Harry Houdini, and actually this film won't help. I'm. We'll get to that. <clears throat> Harry Houdini, the most mystifying of mystifiers, starts off his career playing the wild man in a dime show circus. There, he suddenly meets the love of his life, Bess, who seems more in love with the wild man than with Houdini, the boring magician. After a couple more meetings, he wins her over, and they're suddenly married. Together, they go back to the stage which isn't so great as Harry hoped it would be. He seems to live for the applause, but Bess is thinking more about settling down. At a Halloween dinner for magicians... That's a thing. He wins a prize, a paid steamer ticket to Europe. No country in particular. Bess doesn't want to go. She wants a house. Just when things seem their lowest, Harry gives up and gets a job at a safe company, which he promptly gets fired from while trying to escape from one of their safes. Bess is angry. Harry goes back to the Dime Circus as a half-man, half-fish. Bess relents, trades in the one-person ticket for two, the Houdinis make it to Europe, and a career is born. Things continue to go well, Harry risking his life for applause, which slowly eats away at Bess. One trick nearly goes terribly wrong, and she thinks that that should be the end of it. But a chance meeting with a secretive magician's assistant propels Harry towards the trick that would end it all. Though Bess begs him not to perform it, fearing both some odd magical powers from the trick and the fact that it's Halloween, supposedly a bad day for Harry, Houdini can't resist the calls from the audience. Though he's walked into a prop and apparently aggravated a chronic appendix, he goes into the Chinese water torture cell and sadly does not escape. Harry, gasping for air, dies in Bess's arms at the end. The lowdown. So what you're saying was 
By that time, his lungs were aching for air. <laughs> oh, yes, aching and aching and aching for air. Um, do you ever remember having seen this on TV as a kid? Nope. I never uh, saw it. I loved it. I was big into magic. Uh, I actually took magic lessons. Yeah, that's a thing. Uh, I did a few shows. I was not very good. I owned a truck, trunk of magic stuff. Um, just loved it. And this movie I thought was terrific. Um, yeah. I mm-hmm. may have noticed that uh, there was a, a bit in the credits early on. It says, based on a book. Uh-huh. Doesn't, uh, doesn't give a title. Gives the author. But it just is based on a book by this guy. For all oh, we know, there's it, lots of them. I'm <laughs> just pick one. For all we know, it was the history of spatulas. But, you know. Yeah. And actually, it could have. Oh, we'll get to that. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you hadn't seen this before at all. I had not. I was kind of. I, I was watching the uh, credits and going, wow, apart from, you know, Tony Curtis and Janet Lee, I don't recognize anybody, but I did recognize them once they were in it. Okay, so who, who, who to Star Trek alum did you pick up on? I'm not sure about the Star Trek alum, but Sig Ruman was in there, and he was the uh, guy who owned the uh, show that Harry's first working in, Mr. Schultz. Okay. Because Sig Ruman apparently really likes playing guys named Schultz, because <laughs> he also plays Sergeant Schultz in Stalag 17. Oh. Which was, which was, by the way, the uh, inspiration for Hogan's Heroes and the character of Sergeant Schultz. More or less. More or less. And uh, the, that reporter who's in, like, I don't know, two scenes mm-hmm. uh, is also the, the, a reporter in The Thing, the original one, and okay. This Island Earth, you know? <laughs> Cal, yeah, get that far away <laughs> look in your eye. <laughs> What kind of blank hole planet is this? Yeah. Uh, and hey, here's a plug. If you folks have not seen the Mystery Science Theater 3000, the movie, by all means, do so. It's a lot of fun. Uh, actually, so Mr. Ataz is in this. Oh. You know why you didn't recognize he? him? He no. had hair. Oh, is he the master magician? He is. Let me try to think. Yes, he is at the at the dinner, the dinner, the Halloween dinner. He's the guy who gives out the steam ticket. That, by the way, is a real thing. That Halloween oh, sure. magician's dinner, which was started in honor of Houdini. Yep. Well, so he did so die on, on Halloween. That is a thing. There is, uh, before we get to a whole list of this, there was nothing in, Hall- in Houdini's life about him having problems on Halloween in general. That's just when he happened to die. And for 10 years after his death, his wife, Bess, did conduct seances on his uh, on Halloween to try and contact him. They had a secret phrase that they decided on ahead of time that, if it was uttered during the seance, would actually be him. Interestingly, this I did not know when I did some research. Uh, that secret phrase was given at a seance. But yeah, and they found Ford. they found out that it was in fact uh, a, a trick. That it was it was, they, it was a fake. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the other just real, before we get into the seance stuff, the other was Marplan, who was the guy who was uh, absorbing people in uh, with Landru. So. Marplan, who had, he plays Otto, the weird assistant at the end. Oh, yeah, yeah. How odd is that? I am sorry. It's like a plot point in this is there is a famous German magician named what was it? Von, Von Schlesinger. Von Schwager. Von Schwager. Yeah. Von Schwager, and uh, supposedly, and this is another theme we're going to talk about because there is this weird implication that maybe what Houdini did really was magic magic and this this guy you know von schliemann was uh, supposedly <laughs> a guy who had actually learned how to as they say dematerialize which by the way doesn't it doesn't mean what they think it means yeah because if you dematerialize it means you disintegrate and cease to exist it doesn't mean you can walk through walls yeah that's not the but, trick the trick is rematerializing yeah exactly <laughs> yeah anybody can dematerialize you know you bury them in the ground long enough they'll dematerialize but, yeah uh ap- I, apparently i don't think this guy was real uh, I think no they made that up <laughs> yes and uh Houdini spends all this time trying to contact him to find out the secrets of dematerialization, and he finally goes to see him, and it turns out he's died, but left behind is Otto, his mysterious Landru-like body <laughs> servant, his, his Lothar to, the man, to Mandrake the man, magician, and Otto just says, I work for you now! <laughs> and Houdini goes, okay! Yeah, he like, just tires himself. What? <laughs> it's like, wait, what? So... You don't know this guy from a hole in the wall. He doesn't even seem to have a last name, but he's going to work with you and uh, help you with these life or death traps just because. 
Well, also, Otto hands him the little toy version of Ugh. the Chinese water torture cell, cell while saying, he wanted you to have this when you were old enough. And, <laughs> and it's a, a more elegant toy. weapon. Yeah. 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 And uh, this is like, oh, this must be the trick he learned to dematerialize in. And the first time Harry performs this trick, that's when he dies. Just except like it, it really is, happened. No, it he'd didn't! He's been performing that trick for years, I think. <laughs> ten. Ten years he performed it. He'd actually even stopped performing by the time he died, but <laughs> we will we will get to that. Yeah, there yeah, was no Munchfager that it was made up. Yeah. If at, at best, it's kind of maybe sort of uh, a reference to a magician that Harry initially was very, very enamored with, and in fact took his name from, and then later... Hmm. Because he was rebuffed by, I think, the uh, the uh, magician's widow uh, when he wanted to meet her and visit. And she said no. He got all pissed off and basically was like, well, that guy was a charlatan. And he, did, he was like, ah, he didn't know what he was doing. And he took credit for stuff and basically spent a lot of time uh, being a creep to this dead magician. His name was Robert Houdin, which is French for oh, Robert Houdin. Houdin. Yeah. H-O-U-D-I-N. And Harry, when he was young, thought if you added an I to something in French, it meant like that thing. Um, Harry utterly made that up, and it has nothing to do with French or any known language, but there you go. Oh, is that it? I thought he, I thought he took on the Houdini, because the I and I made it sound Italian, and in the 19th century, uh, there were a whole lot of really famous Italian illusionists. No, and then I thought, and then everybody wanted to be Italian. Oh, no! Okay. But, but you're thinking that is not entirely unlike how this film was made. Uh, <laughs> but we'll get to that. Let's actually—I don't know if you knew about this part. I'm sure you did, because this seems like something you would know about the spiritualism. So, yeah. late 19th century, early 20th century, spiritualism was a huge thing, and other occurrences at the time would sort of help fuel that. So, when I think it's 1922 when they discovered King Tut's tomb, suddenly Egypt stuff was big. But of course, that has a mystical quality to it. Uh-huh. And people really bought into this whole seances and, you know, mystic people, palm reading, all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Big thing in the in the Victorian era. And Max, who was one of the spiritualism's biggest proponents? Do you know? The biggest proponents? Well, William Blake was, was a biggie. Oh, big, bigger than that. Than that, uh, Queen Victoria was kind of into it. Okay, maybe not that big. <laughs> okay, Arthur Conan uh, Doyle. Oh, Arthur Conan Doyle. Yes, he was. He in fact was. His wife was a spiritual, a medium. Excuse me, uh, or claimed to be a medium. Yeah. Actually, she was more of a small. But yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Now he was. He was. He believed in that stuff, and uh, it was a huge. Well, let's say it. Industry. There were a lot of people who made a lot of money. And Houdini, this part I did know, Houdini started out wanting to believe in it after his mother died. He kept trying to use spiritualists to contact her spirit. When he finally, I mean, let's face it, being an illusionist himself, he figured out pretty quickly that the whole thing was a scam. Yeah. Well, and they he ha- started... Go ahead. I'm sorry. They, they really skimp on this in the movie. Oh, yes. Because he was a crusader against yeah. bogus spiritualism. And this, we see him go to one seance... And I'm sorry, the ghost figures that appear in it and the supernatural would not have fooled Scooby-Doo. I hate to say this, but that's exactly how they did it. I know. I, I mean, you look at <laughs> I've heard of that, but you, you look at it now and you go, seriously? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, somebody with glow-in-the-dark gloves and uh, uh, a dummy in the garden? Yep. Mm. Yeah. Well, Again, the other, it was people people wanted to believe. Sorry, go ahead. Well, the other thing that was paired with all this, you know, crappy memorabilia was that people would do things, they would do research and they would find out like sometimes they'd even go and try and ask questions of the 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 mark as it were his friends yeah. to find out like oh what is the the dead person's favorite song or what was the, you know, their childhood nickname, stuff like that so that they could add just enough fact to their little play. To yeah. make people believe, and the author of Sherlock Holmes <laughs> himself must have been a very intelligent person, bought into this stuff with everything he had, yeah. and he and Houdini got into huge arguments. They were originally were friends, but when Houdini basically was like, "This is all fake. Everything I've seen is fake." Uh, not only did Doyle. <laughs> not forgive him doyle claimed that houdini was himself a powerful medium and he used his powers to perform many of his tricks and when he was interviewing or 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 
trying to witness the powers of so-called mediums, he actually used his powers to silence theirs. Oh boy, he Conan Doyle really was nuts after people wouldn't let him stop writing Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, I it, so that was a big and it, you know. Uh, Houdini would lead to people like the amazing Randy and Penn and Teller and lots of other people who have spent like debunkers. I, yeah, like if you've ever seen like um, psychic surgery is one of the biggest ones that's still going uh, on, which is oh, like yeah. oh my god, it's the saddest thing because here are people looking for some kind of cure to cancer. They pay huge amounts of money and people pull chicken parts out of their hand and make it look we like s- they're pulling it out of their their gut. We saw that in the Andy Kaufman movie, Man on the Moon. Yeah, 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 and. and- there are still psychics out there. You see them on the t- daytime talk shows who sit there and go, is there someone here who's recently lost a family member? You know, yeah. I'm seeing an A in their name or yeah. a vowel. Uh, I'm guessing they had hair. <laughs> uh, did they have two eyes? <gasps> That's me! Yes. Yeah, and yeah. these people should, I'm sorry, be fed to fire ants because they take advantage of people's grief and it's just revolting. Yeah. Um, so that was a huge part of Houdini's life, which they they show once in the movie and then yeah. it goes away. Um, it, so. it, it was to the point, apparently, there was a admittedly kind of tabloid speculation that he, when he died, he had actually been poisoned. He'd been murdered by spiritualists. Well, okay. See, there is yeah, zero so, evidence of this, but... Uh, as late as 2007... So there's actually some people that wrote a book and they contacted some of Houdini's family's descendants and they wanted to exhume his body to prove that he had been, I don't know how, but to prove that he had been murdered by uh, angry spiritualists. Um, They claimed that the, the, I don't know, the exhumation proclamation, whatever, was supposed to be from the family. It wasn't. It was actually from the writers about the book. And thankfully they all said, yeah, let's not do that because no, but whatever. Yeah, I just oh. I do want to bring it back to the movie itself. Yeah, uh, what did you think of the performances? You know, Tony <laughs> Curtis and Janet Lee. Let's see. Let's go to my notes on Tony, shall we? Uh, let's okay. see. I know I had, I had a few of them. Uh, Tony Curtis has all the stage presence of Tony Curtis. Yeah, you can take that for what you want. What do you think? It- Tony Curtis, you know, he was he was saying you want to be taken seriously as a serious actor. There's only a, one problem. He's not a serious actor. He is a pretty boy who actually had a knack for comedy. Yeah. He could be very funny. Some Like It Hot is one of the funniest movies ever made. Although I don't buy him as a woman. No, he, neither he nor Jack Lemmon comes off well, uh, in drag at all convincing. No. Although Jack Lemmon a little a little more, I think. Tony Curtis's features are too square. Yeah. But he's a profoundly mediocre actor. He does a nice job if you ever saw him in Spartacus as mm-hmm. Antoninus, the singer of songs. Uh, wasn't he the in the uh, famous uh, rub-down scene? With, he's in the bath uh, scene with Laurence Olivier, yes. And really yeah. what he, he is there to stand there and look pretty. Yeah. And, and to, he can do that. He's a very nice-looking man. Yes, he has, he has startlingly blue eyes. It's it's very nice. And um, but I, there, I do have. To, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> there's one point where Janet Leigh is looking into her then husband's eyes, and I don't remember what she actually says, but I wrote in quotes, "Oh, Harry, you're so above average." <laughs> <laughs> and um, the sad thing is. Um, Tony Curtis, a.k.a. Bernie Schwartz, <laughs> who is a, bo- a, ki- a Jewish kid from Brooklyn, had an a-, a Brooklyn accent so thick you could smear it on hot dogs. Yeah. And he spent his whole life fighting it, trying to overcome it. Most of the time he gets away with it. He got better as he went along. It slipped through. But of course, and Mike knows where I'm going with this, the most famous <laughs> example is one of his first movies. It might have been his the first, The Thief of Baghdad, I think it is, or Prince of Baghdad, where he plays like an Arabian Nights character, because, gosh, he certainly looks Middle Eastern. <laughs> and his line is, Yonder lies the palace of my father, the Caliph. And what comes out of his mouth, and it was the best take they got, was, Yonder lies the palace of my father, the Caliph. <laughs> and... It's it's impossible to watch without cracking up. I've yeah. seen that sequence. It's unbelievable. He got better. He really did. But somewhat, it's still, you can hear it. My other note was Tony Curtis stagecraft stagecraft is equal to that of a beach squid. There's <laughs> literally one point 
where Bess says something to him that makes him feel bad, and I can hear him thinking, I'm sad, as he drops his chin. <laughs> it's, it's just like, yeah. there's just, just, I don't know. I, he's Tony, good at the physical stuff. He's got a lot of good physicality. Well, and that's the thing. But, he, used to, he used to get a lot of action movies, and, you know, yeah. and that's what he wanted to get away from. And I believe that he actually was a serious actor. I think that he seriously wanted to be that thing. I just don't think it comes through in his performances. No. <laughs> and, you know, I heard he was a very nice guy. Um, he barely was. He was a sweetie. But I I would not say that, that this movie is worth seeing because of the performances. Janet Leigh is fine. Um, she, I, she's not given very much to do. No. I mean, initially she's part of the show, and then when Otto shows up, I guess that's the excuse that she's suddenly not part of the show. Although, quite honestly, I think that most audience members would much rather see Janet Leigh on stage than this tall, brooding, kind of somewhat scary Otto Van Schmattenmeyer well, or whatever his name was. Oh, yeah. Especially with um, the outfits they put her in. Landrew Gaidas! Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and the other performances, it's literally, it's Tony Curtis, Janet Leigh, and the rest. Because there's, <laughs> there's no other, I mean, the mother's there for five seconds. Oh, yeah. She has a great German accent, doesn't she? Well, she's not supposed to be German. She's I, I supposed Hungarian. to be Hungarian, but yeah, well, it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. matter. Angela cause... Angela Clark does not exactly come across as a Hungarian Jewish mother. Yeah. By the um, way, again, she was apparent. Mrs. Houdini, or excuse me, Mrs. Weiss, was apparently very much the domineering Jewish mother. Yeah. Well, domineering, and also he was a mommy, mama's boy. He, yeah, he didn't was a ever want to boy. leave his mom, and uh, yeah. so on and so forth. Um, yeah, and then she dies. Uh, we hear that over the phone, <laughs> which yeah, you never helps see us understand it. What a, a close relationship they had. Yeah, that's the thing. Is dies over the phone. The, there's some sort of spiritual resonance in that. This is a he had done a trick where he went through the ice in the Detroit River, and he heard her voice and found his way out. And yeah. apparently, she died at the same time he heard her voice. And then, then that's it. That's the last we hear about her or that incident. It just stops. And he was very sad. <laughs> and he was real sad. Which, by the way, is what the way the movie ends too. I mean, he's, you know, he he they break him out of the water trap, and as Mike says, he's dying, and he's just saying to Bess over and over again, "I'll come back if there's any way I'll come back." And the camera pans away to a poster, and the movie's over. I mean, I swear you can hear the the like the production company scissors clicking in the background as the footage I is going by. <laughs> I honestly, I was watching it and I was going, "Oh God, did my did the clip the this print I have does it cut off? Do I am I going to have to like rent it to to catch the rest of the ending? Oh no, there it says the end. Okay, <laughs> it's very abrupt. Yeah, it is. It's it's up. Your, your money's running out. Snip, snip, snip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It must, I don't know what happened there. Yeah, and I'm sorry. There's a sequence where. Uh, Houdini is supposed to hypnotize his wife. You know, he's waving his hand, and all I could think of is sleep <laughs> in heavenly peace. <laughs> well, I love the fact that she actually kind of wakes up, and it's like, <clears throat> wake me up, wake me up, in the middle of the get trip. me down. Yeah, get me down. Yeah, uh, I got to admit, I don't know how they did that. That was impressive. I, I actually know how that works because I used to do yeah. the magic stuff. But uh, yes, but I, I was <laughs> to make myself even nerdier. Yes, I was a tweener magician. <laughs> yeah. Nerd! And if I could find those people, I'd give them a refund. Anyway. Yes, by uh, the way, folks, you can exchange bumpy bucks for giving Mike a swirly. <laughs> as soon as we print them, never. Oh, um, yep. Yeah, there was one other little bit of quote-unquote mysticism that they implied, and I don't even know what they were implying. So that, that dinner where he goes to, it's like, it's so mean because it's like, oh, Bess, I'll take you out to the best dinner of all. Oh, really? <gasps> the hotel asked her, this is... Hey, wait a minute! It's all magicians. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be fun? A whole evening of dinner with surrounded by magicians doing card tricks. <laughs> oh look! I can't wait to dig into this. Where's my fork? Yeah. It might be behind this yeah. glass. It might be behind this napkin. Yeah. What's this behind your ear? It's the bill. Yeah. Uh. No, so, so they're like, there's this little contest where uh, who can escape from a straitjacket because that's never been done before except at this dinner. Lies. And Harry wants to do it and Bess says no and finally she relents and lets him do it. So he goes up on stage and he's in the straitjacket and the other five magicians are all writhing around on the ground and, you know, it's very comical and everyone's having a good time. But Harry just stands there hypnotized by the 
crystal langing from the chandelier. Yeah, what the heck was that? I don't know, but suddenly his hand comes out by his crotch, which is not at all weird or suggestive. (laughs) Thank you, Thing. (laughs) Yeah, and then Harry manages to get up, but wow, it obviously took a lot out of him because he sweated through his shirt, and what was that? We don't know. They never talk about it, but there's this... You know how he did it? The way he used to get out? He could dislocate both his shoulders at will. Yeah. And this, and if the uh, straight jacket isn't tied across your shoulders, it start it you you can loosen your arms and unbuckle it. That's not the only way. By the way, to get out of a straight jacket is not difficult. I worked with a magician in a vaudeville troupe, the magnificent Mark Mitten. <laughs> well, what's a not get, between friends? <laughs> yeah, yeah, who's a whole show in and of himself, but uh, <laughs> he actually could get out of a straight jacket, and wow. he could do it. I, I, I remember he said, "Yeah, it's gonna. We, we do it. Uh, we do a big thing where it takes five minutes." And he says, "The hard part is making it look like it takes five minutes." Huh. He says, "I can get. You can get out of one of these in under forty-five seconds." Well, apparently, one of the deals was that it wasn't so much that he could dislocate his shoulders after being put into the jacket. It's when they were putting it on, he would oh. spread them out, so it felt tight. And then once the jacket was quote unquote tight, he <laughs> would pull them back in. And that would give him a lot of slack, and he could get out. But physically, Houdini was remarkable. Never mind that. I mean, he wasn't a very big man. He was like five, 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 six. Five, five. He yeah. was insanely strong. Yeah. He could also pick locks and untie knots with his feet. Apparently, he could lift needles with his eyelids. Like that's not. I'm not making oh. that up. That was a thing. Apparently, he. How is that useful? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. How do you find that out? It's like hmm. What other skills do I have? I wonder if I could pick up that needle with my eyelid. <laughs> sure. Hey, when you're Houdini, that's just the things you do. Yes. Yeah, the strength, the flexibility, uh, it was all part of the deal. You know, he like part of the trick was that he had to be that insanely in shape and that insanely flexible. Um, and that dedicated. I'm sure there was parts. There's actually a bit Penn and Teller do um, where Teller sticks his hand in a bear trap. And they ah. say, look, the deal is you just have to learn to not care when it hurts. <laughs> oh, okay. And Great. to be fair, I don't know if it's a trick or not, but it certainly looks like painful. So I'm willing to bet that part of the escapes were, look, you're going to get hurt. That's part of the deal. So if you can do that part where it hurts and then later it doesn't hurt anymore, you're going to make a hell of a show. So, yeah. Yikes. Uh, so that was uh, that was it for the uh, performances part of the film. Um there's some other stuff that goes on uh, that uh, the accents, when they get to Britain, it's like, oh, no. And sure enough, I'm sure that the vocal coach was Dick Van Dyke because uh, yeah. the British oi, accents. Oi, governor, have a point of aisle there. Or that one guy, I think actually the guy early on who's the guy who owns the dime show, he is like, his face, he is mugging like it's a silent movie. Oh, my God. Yeah. You're, you're waiting for that rubber mask to fall out, and it's like, Mr. Jenkins! It's just, yeah. you know, I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's some weird makeup issues. Um, at one point, Harry has gotten older, you can tell, because he has gray hair. You know because he points to it and tells yeah. you. Yeah, Look, I have gray hair, therefore I am older. Well, Although and then he like, was what fifty five when he died. Fifty two, uh, and he wasn't even that at that point in the film. The best part, of course, of being a magician is that literally five minutes later in the film, you can see that the gray is gone, <laughs> and then it comes back again. So whatever, yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's um, that odd sequence. This apparently is based on truth that when he was performing in Germany, the the German High Court called him up at per- perpetrating a fraud on the German people. Lies. Saying that he was a fake. Lies. Yeah. yeah. And, but what they leave out, I notice, is he sued for slander. He sued the guys accusing him and won. Well, that's... So, okay. So what really happened was that a German police officer yeah. started shooting off his mouth and claiming that what Harry did was through the use of bribery. He would bribe people to bring him things, and he wasn't actually using any kind of skill uh, or anything like that. And so Harry sued him in court and actually what he did was he said i'll prove that it's i have these skills i'll open the judge's safe which he did he didn't do it from inside he just opened the safe the movie does it from the inside he later claimed that one of the reasons it worked so well was well the judge actually forgot to lock it (laughs) oops so but being the Uh. the showman that he was and that's something that's missing from this film apparently when houdini was on stage you were riveted 
Um, and he knew how to play an audience, but he just, I'm going to make this a show, and there you go. Um, and that was, this also goes with that whole Conan Doyle thing saying, he's got magic powers! No, I just have some skills. and Yeah, yeah. and this movie really does sort of play with that. It never, it doesn't really have the courage to come out and say it. But like the whole thing of him staring into the into the chandelier when he gets out of the straight jacket, and the yeah. idea of the dematerialization, and yeah. that maybe maybe you should what is it you should stop because these powers will destroy you. Like, oh come on, he Harry Houdini would have punched you in the mouth for saying that. Hey Anakin, calm down. It's just a trick. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's, uh, you no, know, he doesn't have the midichlorians for this. Relax. Uh, excuse me. Magichlorians. Magichlorians, excuse me. You're a wizard, Harry. Yeah, well, we knew that. Uh, yeah, yeah. So there's this part where they show him being very unsuccessful in America, and then he goes to Europe, and apparently they're bigger rubes than we are in, in America because <laughs> he does really well there. When he comes back, though, apparently, like, nobody is interested and there is a quote and i don't understand this quote somebody says to harry americans are from missouri oh you don't know that well I, the, the, it's the show me state but it's like yeah um, americans are not from missouri like we don't all come from <laughs> well, missouri some That's... of them are the ones who live in missouri are from missouri but <laughs> it's when they said that quote is like wait what americans yeah, are that... from missouri yeah it really didn't make a lot I, of sense I, I hope that never makes it to a license plate because that was yeah you notice um, a lot of people in this movie have been doing things for 40 years. The safe maker has been a safe um, maker for 40 years. The yeah. master magician has been a, been a master magician for 40 years. Like, I don't know what it is. It's like biblical, you know, 40 years in the desert, 40 it days and 40 nights. In the desert. No, no, it's 40. I think it's 30. 30 years in the desert? Didn't, didn't uh, Jesus die when he was 33? Dude, I'm talking about Moses. Moses oh, and the oh, Israelites. No, he was in. Yes, he. Well, he was five. Jesus wanders something. for thirty days. Oh no, wait, no. that's Noah. <laughs> what uh, do I know? <laughs> Noah. Bumpy bucks. 40, bumpy hut. It's a thing. Forty days and forty nights. Yes, the Israelis, the Israelites were lost in the desert for forty years. Well, no, forty days Moses and forty was, nights. Moses was a guy and wouldn't stop and ask for directions. <laughs> I know where I'm going. <laughs> also, there's just this weird nonsense of time. So in the beginning, we don't know when this starts taking place. Uh, we yep. guess it's Victorian era somewhere. Mm. And then it remains Victorian era for a long time. And then suddenly it's kind of the 20s, although we don't... We just see some of the clothes change. We don't see things like cars much or any or other any indication. reference to World War One? <laughs> no, it just sort of happened, I guess. Yeah. But uh, Yeah, it's. I, I don't understand why they were like... You know, you could actually put the actual times there because, you know, he was a real person. But it, it's weird. And there's one point in the film, I can't remember exactly when it is, where it's like, I know it's supposed to be the 20s, but everyone's still in those weird Victorian get-ups. And it's like, I you're really confusing me. And then you'd find out it's like, well, five years has gone by. Wait, what, huh? That, that was two seconds ago. Like, literally, you changed an camera angles and that's it. And where's your gray hair? Yeah, yeah. Also, the way they portray his mother is very strange. Never mind that how it doesn't matter how she really was. You no, know, Mrs. Mrs. Weiss actually was. He come Harry comes home married <laughs> to to Janet Leigh on the first date. I think it was like the, yeah, but the we don't know. The implication is it's like within five minutes of them getting to know each other, and her reaction is you know just messing with him a little bit, and then oh, I'm so happy. It's like, okay, no. <laughs> a, a, for, a no Jewish mother, and especially no Jewish mother from the old country, is going to go, you got married without telling me? You got married to a woman I've never met in my life, never mind that she's a shiksa. You got <laughs> well, well, now, Max, you don't know that. Just because she's blonde and blue-eyed doesn't mean... Uh-huh. No, that's, her... that's true, except that, uh, be except that Bess actually was Catholic. <laughs> made things rather awkward. Um, yeah, well, it's true. In the well, of course, in the movie, we don't know he's Jewish. No, there's nothing to suggest it. So, no, but no mother is going to go. Oh, that's so nice. You got married, and we didn't have a wedding, and I've never met you in my life. Come on. <laughs> yeah, uh, we should get to our questions because I have this feeling there's going yeah. to be a lot of answers, and I'm going to put them yeah, out of yeah. order. I'm going to put the second okay. question last. So, uh, what do we know about Houdini from this movie? Uh, you mean actually know or think we know? Either. 
Well, that, we know that there was a, for later, but let's okay. We, we know we there know? was a magician named Harry Houdini. Yeah. Okay. That's about it. <laughs> and and we know he he died as allegedly as the result of the water bumping into zone. a prop and having a burst appendix. Yeah. Um, I would agree and, with that. <laughs> and uh, he was married and was popular in Europe. And I'm done. Okay. I, I he had a mother. Yeah, he had a mother. Excuse me. And she died. <laughs> Oh, over the phone. Uh, dying over the phone was very, very popular in the early 1920s. <laughs> it was one of the leading causes of death. Yes, the telephone. Uh, <laughs> do we feel we get to know the subject better after having watched this? I think I got to know him worse. I think I <laughs> forgot things I used to know about Houdini watching this movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I would say that it. it's, it's funny because we watch a movie and it's about a person's life. And I, I honestly came away going, nope, don't know a thing. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, tricks. Tricks are nice, and he likes applause, and apparently he's easily susceptible to crystal. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad that we saw this. This was an interesting choice, because this, is, this one, I think, is completely different than any of the other biopics we see. This is a very much a product of the 50s. Yeah. And this is back when, oh, we're doing a biopic... And that means we're glorifying the person. Right. We just want to tell you how cool they were, and we're not going to show you any of the bad stuff or any of the controversy mm. or any of the warts. We're just going to show you this this nifty story. It's like mm. this is Robin Hood, basically. This is Sherlock Holmes or King Arthur. You don't need to know anything <laughs> real about him. It's like reading the My Little Golden Book biography yes. of Snoop Dogg. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and we're then, not going to mention the pot, okay? And then, uh, then Snoop, and then Snoopy Dog went <laughs> and made some songs, and people said, "Yay, we like your songs very much." Hey, I actually yeah. saw biographies of both uh, um, Cold as Ice. What's his name? Um, ice Ice Baby. Oh, van- vanilla, vanilla Ice. Vanilla Ice. And oh, uh, oh dear God, Hammer, MC Hammer in Toys oh, R Us. <laughs> <laughs> How much you think those left out? Yeah, I wonder. And uh, I agree. It, this was a very Hollywood movie. You know, it was all about glamour and glitz and showmanship and fun and whatever, which leads to the question we usually ask second. Um, how accurate was the depiction? <laughs> uh, I think this was, if you go on a scale of one to ten, I think we're into the negative numbers here. I think it's actually detracted from what we actually know. So Again, I, I, the thing that pisses me off you know, as a child, a child of Abraham over here is Harry Houdini was Jewish, and this was actually a real problem for him because a lot of people didn't want to see Jewish performers. God, you know, I don't know who who is left, but mm. and they mentioned not only that mention he's not Jewish, they don't even suggest that his name was not Harry Houdini. That was his stage name. Yeah. Um, I did a little uh, digging, and there's a few other things that they either utterly left out or got utterly wrong. Um, mm. So one of the things that is, I was sitting there going, didn't Harry perform with a brother? Oh, yeah. yeah. Harry had six siblings. Six. six. <laughs> and his brother, who was Theodore, who went by the stage name of Hardeen, they traveled and performed together a lot. In fact, a lot of Harry's most successful tricks he would give to his brother and even in his will said, when I die, you should destroy all these when you're done with them. He didn't. Um, so, yeah, they don't mention any of the six. His father, they actually were born in Hungary and they immigrated when he was young to the U.S. They don't mention that. They actually immigrated to Appleton, Wisconsin, long before they went to New York City. New York wow. City! <laughs> Yeah, they um, don't mention his film career. He made five well, movies. Oh, well, he did a serial, too. Oh, okay. They don't mention those either. At nine, he started be- as a trapeze artist and called himself Eric, which is his real name, yeah. Prince of the Air. Um, the, pro- the, the wild man thing was true, but he was yeah. also known as the king of cards because he did a lot of close-up card magic. According to a lot of magicians at the time, he was an okay sleight-of-hand guy. That wasn't his strength. Mm. Um, but yeah, his his brother Theodore or Dash, which I guess is, was his nickname. What a great nickname, man! I wish I could yeah. have that. Yeah, they went around so, as the brothers Houdini. Bess was a performer in the same dime show he was. She was yeah, she patron. was. Yeah, in this one in, in the movie, she's like this innocent little college girl. Yeah, from some girls school, all girls school, who's like swept up in the the magic of it all. But no, she was a, she was like a chorus singer or some such. She was in showbiz. 
<laughs> the magic of it all. <laughs> um, instead of having to quit and take a regular job, Houdini started doing handcuff escapes and was soon very successful on the vaudeville circuit. Once yeah. that was done, then he toured Europe. Uh, and a de demonstration in London was so successful, he was booked for six months in the <laughs> Alhambra Theater. Not held over. He was just like, yeah, we'll take you. Um, he toured Europe and Russian America for 20 years and was one of the world's highest paid performers. Uh, he later went by the Handcuff King moniker as opposed to the uh, King of Cards. Um, On his selective service papers, he, he legally changed yep. his name to Harry Houdini. It's listed as Harry yeah, Handcuffs Handcuff. Houdini. <laughs> Yeah. I want I want to be Max Handcuffs Levine. Yep, that's my new middle name. In my heart, you always will be. <laughs> um, so a member of the Society of Magicians, he also published his own magazine called Conjurers Monthly, in which he wrote of magic and magicians, although mostly he used to attack his rivals and praise his own appearances. The magazine lasted two issues. <clears throat> Yeah, they, they also leave out, he, he was a rather litigious fellow and used to sue the crap out of anybody who was trying to copy his tricks. Yep. Um, in fact, after being imitated so much, uh, he started switching to escaping from just about anything, including things made and brought by members of the audience. The strangest thing he ever escaped from, see if you can guess. Uh, battery cables. A beached whale that washed ashore in Boston. <laughs> How did someone bring that to the theater? Well, he did it out on the dock. <laughs> it's like, uh, hi, uh, Mr. Houdini, we, we got this thing outside. <laughs> yeah, the Von Schwaber thing utterly made up. There was no magician named Von Schwaber. Uh, there was Robert Robert Houdin, uh, which I mentioned. The water torture cell was something he came up by his own. He uh, brought it, came up with it in 1912 continued to do it for 10 years and that had he gave it to his brother uh that it's actually funny, did they, survive him but it uh, i was hmm? uh, sorry I, I was surprised they didn't bring in the legendary way he, he died you mean the real one way of his he died? well one of his tricks was he had immensely strong stomach muscles and he would invite really large powerful men to punch him in the stomach and they'd usually like hurt their hands yep and allegedly two students were interviewing him for a paper and one of them hit him when he wasn't ready it hadn't clenched his, uh, and may or may not. Now this is the thing. People have often said, "Oh, that's what caused his appendix to burst. That's what killed him." That's some well, question because the relationship between blunt force trauma and appendicitis isn't a clear one. Well, let, let's delve a little deeper into that because there's a little more to that story. That is actually true. There were three college students at the time. Harry was actually. Uh, reclining on a couch because he'd broken his uh. ankle in a performance. And the guy said, hey, I heard you can do this, and hit him while Harry was laying down. Uh. So that part is true. Now, what happened was uh, he probably either did rupture his appendix or had appendicitis as it was. He performed that evening, continued for another two days without seeking any medical help, had a 104-degree uh, uh, hey. temperature the night after a performance, because he performed through it anyway. Then he went to the hospital, and they're like, uh, it's too late. Yeah. So at the very least, it contributed to it. Yeah. Uh, he it was apparently not help. big on. Yeah, he apparently was not big on doctors, but he was not in any kind of contrivance when he died. He was in the hospital. Yeah, he, he got out show. of all the escapes. Yeah, yeah, that, that's uh, just way over dramatized. Yeah. Other things left out. He was an accomplished pilot. Oh. He barely wasn't the first person to fly in the southern hemisphere he went to australia had his plane brought and for a long time a lot of history books actually have that he was but it turns out one guy did it a number of months before he did in australia uh, but he you know was flying a plane in whatever the teens down in australia uh kind of forgot that maybe that's in the director's cut i don't uh <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, kind of. Yeah, I don't think so. But like all of the things that we just talked about here, none of them are in the movie. Uh, yeah, this this movie. It's clearly this movie is for fun, and honestly, I don't think it's that much fun. Well, uh, we it's, should get it's, to that. Do you have any more yeah. notes before we render no, our verdict? No, I think, I think let's go to the let's go to the uh, let's go to the videotape. <laughs> go to the Sizzler. Yeah, let's go to the Sizzler. <laughs> the Roundup. So, Max, yeah. would you like to let us know what you think of this film? <laughs> I think it's harmless. Well, actually, it, I don't think it is harmless. It's kind of harmful because it gives you a completely mistaken impression of what Harry Houdini was like and what his life was like. Um, if you don't take it as a move, an accurate movie about Houdini, it's okay. I mean, 
it moves along. Some of it's kind of cute, watching the, seeing the tricks recreated. Janet Lee is fun to look at. Lee or Lay, I'm not actually sure how to pronounce her last name. Uh, it's all right. It's also not that long. It's like an hour and 45 minutes. It's harmless, except if you actually try to, are trying to learn anything about Harry Houdini, in which case it's actually detrimental. What about you? Uh, I would. Uh, I think you'll agree with me on this. We we like to say that films like this, um, if we're trying to be as as fair and impartial as possible, it was in focus <laughs> most yes. of the time. Yeah. I remember loving this as a kid. It was a you know Saturday afternoon special. Um, to be fair, it might have been one of the things that got me into magic. Uh, it bears almost no resemblance to any person who's ever lived, except for the name. Uh, it, yeah, the the guy was far more interesting than this picture would would have you believe. The performances, I, Tony, maybe later you do better. This is not one of your better performances. No. You do the tricks fine, but quite honestly, you have absolutely no magnetism when you're doing them. Uh, so uh, Janet Leigh's fine. Uh, I would like her better in Psycho, but whatever. Um, and probably yeah. she's fine. I would say you could give this one a miss, but I wanted to, to yeah. watch it because this is a Hollywood capital H biopic capital B. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is a really good example of that. Like I said, it's very different than what the biopic has evolved into. Yeah, and it's like there was no, you there was no you couldn't really blame somebody. You could you know nowadays it's like uh, excuse me, you're saying so and so was this and they're not. Uh, no, you, there was no accountability back then. It was the fifties. People just wanted to be entertained, and it was I'm sure at the time it was entertaining. After, I'm guessing the film was probably made for the range of half to three quarters of a million bucks. That's about normal for a George Powell movie of the time. So it more than made it double its money back. I'm guessing. So, but yeah, if you're at all interested in magic or Houdini. Uh, don't bother. Um, yeah. But it was very much not like the other films that we'd watched. But uh, Just to uh, remind our listeners who are still here, we have that poll question. We have a yep. new poll question this week, as we do every week. This week's poll question is, has a movie adapted from another source, be it book, video game, theme park ride, breakfast cereal, shoes, whatever, has it ever exceeded your expectations? And if so, what is that movie? Please let us know. And how would you do that? Why, you could email us directly. Yes. Not that anyone has. At us at MaxMikeMovies.com You can go to our website, which not only has every single episode you can imagine and a few you can't, all separated for your convenience, where you can comment and let us know about that particular poll question, or heck, you can comment on any of the other uh, episodes. Give us ideas. Uh, we'll take criticism. We might not give bumpy bucks for it, but we'll take it. Uh, and that is, of course, MaxMikeMovies.com if you like and love and cherish social media, you can find us on both. Uh, I'm almost was going to say Instagram. We don't have an Instagram <laughs> account. Maybe we should. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Max Mike Movies. And last but not least, you can find us on the podcast app of your choice, which is pretty much all of them at this point. I'm sure because you found us here. Yep. Uh, and yeah, you can give us comments on Facebook. That's fine. But we're all done with biopics the oh you'd like that wouldn't you (laughs) well well as no 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 as punishment for claiming i was dead at the beginning of this show (laughs) but you were we're going to extend this series because there are a lot we never we have not gotten to we're going to do another couple Hmm. of these biopics i don't think of it as punishment though i hope it's not yes it is shut up oh well then don't worry the punishment will begin soon what, why are you threatening our listeners? It's not our listeners I'm threatening. Oh. Get him, Bumpy! <laughs> oh, please. Try and get me. Come on, you overgrown mule. Hey! That's right. I'll chop you up and sell you to Periurina. So we're, ex- we're extending for a week or two? We or? are. A couple, of, a couple more episodes. All and right. Next, we- next week... Yes. We're going to do the 2000... This is a very, very different sort, as it's animated... Ooh. Yes, we're going to see the 2007 film Persepolis. Oh, that's where Superman lives. Uh, no, no, that's not... No, oh, I thought he worked in per, Gotham per city. Uh, well, it's the one across the river. Across the river, yes. <laughs> now, this is the uh, animated biographical drama. It's autobiographical based on the author Marjane Satrapi's autobiographical graphic novel of the same name. 
So we're going to watch a movie where she holds up a book and flips pages? Yep, it's fascinating. Oh, I... Yep, is she going to lick her finger before she turns the page? Are two of them going to stick together? You know, it, It's a thrill ride. I can't... Uh... Wait, so next week, come and read our <laughs> podcast along with us, won't you? Yep. You'll be glad you did. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. Thank you.